Welcome back for episode 34 of the Fantasy Front Office Podcast for the week of March 26, 2018. This week, lots of young middle infield extensions handed out and the injury report. And stay tuned, we answer questions along with our predictions. And now, entering your ears, your Fantasy Front Office. All right, and around the front office are Phil, Keith, and Todd. Gents, lots of extensions handed out this week. Let's take a look. First up, your Cardinals, Phil, gave out a long extension to Paul DeYoung. Yeah, I'm not really sure it was so warranted. He's got legit power, but he has a lot of concerns as far as the swing and miss. Um, he's not really been considered that great of a shortstop. Kind of weirds me out that they did this because it for sure means that they're out of the Manny Machado sweepstakes unless they try to move him to third, which doubt that's going to happen. Long term, it's a big question mark, but realistically, it's only $26 million. I say only in quotes, but for six years, that's legitimately nothing for this team. So high upside, low floor kind of play i did the player cap for him on fan graphs um and i kind of left with being a little bit skeptical on what he did for his his kind of his breakout season um i don't love his his plate skills and i think he may be due for a little bit of regression um i I just don't think his power is as legitimate as it may have seemed last year so i guess kind of what my thought was is he's probably due for a little bit of a sophomore slump. I mean, to be fair, he did hit 38 home runs between AAA and the majors last year. Um, that's a whole lot for a shortstop. He breaks 30 this year, though. I think he's closer to the 25 that he hit last year in the majors. Yeah, and I guess what what I was thinking was he's 160th among hitters as far as average exit velocity at 86 miles an hour. So it, that's it's okay. That's okay power, but that's not enough to suggest that type of power. He's still really young, so, I mean, he could maybe come to 80% of what his numbers were last year, but I just don't see repeating necessarily. All right, next up, we had a highly celebrated, uh, highly celebrated extension here with Scott Kingery, uh, and that essentially avoids the whole manipulating service time issue. What are we seeing with this deal? Honestly, I think it's really awesome that the the Phillies of all teams are, are the ones that are spending money on their young players already before they've even you know seen a pitch in the major leagues. Um, but Kingery's a, an easy guy to bet on. I mean, uh, I, I died on my hill with Cesar Hernandez, but it appears that Kingery is uh, far superior. So um, I was wrong. I thought they were going to be cheap for another year, um, but apparently they were not. They went out and they spent the money. Kind of the same thing. I mean, I think that he got a pretty similar deal, so I, I just don't see where the downside Side is for the Phillies, and their huge upside still remains because they got the three extent or three. Uh, um, what is that at options the end years. of the contract? There we yeah. go. Options <laughs> at the end at the end of the contract as well. So um, Kingery is just a beast, man. He had twenty five, twenty five last year. I think he was the only guy in professional baseball to do that. So uh, he's really awesome. Yeah, and along the way with his, I think it was like twenty at uh, twenty five home runs and. 29 steals last year in the minors. He had um, almost a 900 OPS, good solid on base, um, a pretty pretty strong strikeout rate, you know, uh, under 20%. Doesn't walk a whole lot and has kind of like doubles power. So I don't know if he's going to, you know, break into 20 home runs this year in the big leagues. We've seen guys come up from the minor leagues. Maybe the ball changes. Maybe the velocity is more. 
and hit for a little bit more power. I don't know that he's necessarily going to do that, but he's still going to steal a good amount of bases and give you probably about, you know, 17, 18 home runs. I think he's a guy with his skill set. He's going to have value right off the bat um, this season. And what a deal for the Phillies. Able to lock up a guy for nine years, almost a full decade they'll have him. So uh, awesome team-friendly deal for the Phillies. And Kingry's definitely going to be an impact right away. Yeah, he's looking and has been working out all over the infield as well as a little in the outfield just so that he'll play the super utility role this season unless he unseats one of the regulars and forces Hernandez or somebody else into that role. So it's going to be interesting in Philly this year. I think the odd man out could be Mikel Franco if he doesn't get off to a hot start. Um, He may lose some significant at-bats, especially with the team investing in Kingery as far as the future. I mean, they've basically put, you know, paper and said he's going to be here. He's going to be part of the rebuilding process and, you know, be part of this franchise. So um, if if Franco struggles out of the gate, I could see him losing significant time. Um, One interesting thing that I looked up real quick before we went on was in NFBC, there's been 13 drafts today. Um, and he's gone as early as 108. So wow. somebody somebody took him at 108 as the high. His average right now is 214 for the day, and he lasted as long as 314 for the low. So I know I saw some people on Twitter last night. I think Lance Brezdowski, um said he set the new or tied the new high for him at like 124 <laughs> or 125, something like that. So somebody actually today went above that and took him at, uh, at 108 overall. That's a little crazy to me. Um, guys never seen a pitch in the major leagues, but um, I know draft and stash, and you can't make pickups or anything like that. So I mean, well, it's, it, it's kind of one away. You're picking him over Moncada and 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 getting really close a to lot picking of guys. Acuna, Acuna, and the interesting thing is the only other player, yeah, the only other player to get a contract like this before Scott Kingery is John Singleton for the Astros. He's the only player to get this type of long-term deal without seeing a major league. Exactly. So not exactly a good track record. I think they're drastically different players, way more swing and if you know what Kingery has and much more versatile as far as like defensively and what he can do, but not a great track record to base things off of. So, all right. And the final name on our list today is Cattell Marte of our Arizona Diamondbacks. Todd, what do you see going on with this deal? found out about this deal this morning. I was fired up about it. He's a guy who, tremendous fielder, and he's a guy who's a little bit better of a real-life player than a fantasy player. Gets on base a lot. He has a lot of speed upside. I think he'll steal 15 to 20 bases this year. He stole 40 once in the minors under a full season. The only thing of Marte, not a lot of pop, if any, but again, team-friendly deal. I uh, believe $24 million guaranteed over six years, and then two options at $11 million each after that. Awesome deal for the Diamondbacks. I'm glad they locked him up. And, and he's a guy who plays a good second base, good shortstop so it's a great signing i'm glad that he'll be a cornerstone for the dimebacks middle infield for many years to come all right and as we've headed into the home stretch of spring training uh the inevitable injuries have happened uh two fractures and an elbow injury so let's dive into that real quick madison bumgarner fractured his pitching hand the pinky and has had pins inserted and will be out until around June, uh, probably mid-June, due to a comebacker hit back at him that he tried to barehand. What should guys look for with uh, <laughs> substitutions later on in their drafts? Well, somebody who I'm kind of targeting recently as far as late guys to, to find is uh, Tyler Glass now. I know he's had problems with his command. Um, I just really like what he's doing in spring as far as his strikeout to walk rate. Um, he's striking out almost everybody. His 
velocity continues to increase. Um, it went up last year, and it seems like in spring it's it's kind of continued to climb. So he's somebody I'm happy to snag either off of waivers or late in the draft. And then uh, another guy, late in drafts, guy you can probably get on free agency, honestly, at this point, Chad Cole, also from the Pirates. Um, the last three months of last season, he posted a ERA under 3.5 with a K9 uh, over 9. So he was a guy who finished really strong last year. He'll be number two, number three starter for the Pirates. So Chad Cole is a guy to keep on your radar, too, if you need to add someone. And then one more thing on Glass. Now, I know they put him in the bullpen earlier today, so... Um, I, I'm aware of that. I really don't care. Um, I think yeah. either he's going to produce in the bullpen or it's going to be a very, very short stint there and he'll be starting soon enough. So even with his demotion, I think this is more of a buy opportunity, especially in dynasty leagues or in leagues where you may find him on waivers. I would snatch him up and stash him for a little bit or even use those nice ratios and strikeouts there in the bullpen. Yeah, because the strikeouts are going to be there with Glasnow. And the thing is, if he pitching well in that long relief role he's going to be put in the starting rotation they want him to be there that's the ultimate end game goal so if he earns it he will be there they'll make a spot for him yeah there's really not that many options uh later on in the draft that i like but there is one guy that is sitting in waivers right now in a 12 team league that i'm in uh sean newcomb uh he has the high strikeout upside he can do well uh, has a high whip as well so it's kind of playing with fire depending on if you're in a roto league or in a head-to-head league he could destroy an entire week or even a year for you so um but you know if he does put a couple things together i think he could end up with a, a pretty good season so i mean at this point you're losing probably your ace um if not your second best pitcher uh and and you're trying to replace him with someone off waiver so uh, i would choose wisely and uh maybe do what todd was saying a little bit and keith was saying a little bit ago with the the reliever role i do think uh we were talked about that plenty of times in the past but glass now is a perfect guy for that right now and and one more and you're not going to replace Baumgartner with somebody off of waivers like we're suggesting but i think you're going to have to do the best job you can and in, in the meantime glass now has got the upside to to maybe help out and strike outs and stuff like that but um, i have one more guy that's super unsexy um almost like big sexy unsexy and it's uh clayton richard um and so he's on the padres he's kind of like a poor man's a super super poor man's <laughs> am i downplaying <laughs> this uh, quite enough here uh, a little bit marcus stroman so he has a lot of the similar statistics as far as Ground ball rate is Marcus Stroman. He doesn't strike people out like Marcus Stroman. And uh, his fly ball rate and everything else is very similar. So keep in leagues, I like the fact that he's going to play in four parks, potentially that are pitcher-friendly parks. He's not going to get a lot of wins there in San Diego. But he's somebody, if I get desperate in a deep league or in a points league where you have a lot of pitchers that go early, he's somebody who I'm targeting. All right, next on our injury report is Justin Turner. We mentioned it briefly as it happened during our last show. He ended up having a fractured wrist. So what can people do to at least hold the tide at third base deeper in the draft? You know, I'm going to defer to someone else because I'm sitting here with... with Justin Turner in a couple of leagues, and, and I don't really know what to do at this point because third base is kind of a wasteland, especially if it, you're trying to pick somebody off waivers. Um, I, I'm, I'm not thrilled with any of my options, and I'm also not thrilled that, for whatever reason, major league teams just decide to not put someone on uh, 
their DL, even though clearly their hand is broken and they're not going to start in game one. I don't know. That would be weird, wouldn't it? It would be strange, but yeah. apparently they don't do that. Decide not um, to do that until opening day, essentially. I know they do it every year, but it's just entirely frustrating. Um, that seemed like same league I was talking about earlier. Jed Jerko is on waivers. Uh, he had a pretty decent year last year. I'm not so sure he's going to uh, keep it up this year. Um, Chase Headley kind of the same thing uh i don't know why everyone hates chase headley so much he's actually been a pretty decent player uh, other than like that one miserable year i think it was 2015 um yeah i mean third base is kind of a wasteland <laughs> now phil if you play in fan tracks leagues your commissioner can actually put that man on the dl for you you don't have to wait for the team to do it oh wow Oh, so contact your commissioner and see if, if obviously for the guys that are knowingly going on the DL, I believe you can manipulate that and uh, and and get those yeah. guys in the deal early. Uh, but I'm in the same boat as you are, Phil. I have four shares out of ten leagues, actually five shares maybe. So I have fifty percent of my third base is occupied by um, Justin's broken hand Turner. So yeah, I'm I'm in the same boat. And, <laughs> Third base is a freaking mess after like the top twelve. I mean, after Beltre yeah. and a couple other guys, and I'm I'm kind of staying away from Sano. So after Beltre, for me, it's it's Beltre or bust. So it's it's pretty difficult to fill. I mean, I own like three or four shares of JP Crawford. Don't even like JP Crawford. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds miserable. Don't do it. Don't do it. All right, let's head to this next one. Dinelson Lamette. He left a start the other day with an elbow issue. We haven't had really much detail come out. There's varying estimates, everything from four to six weeks all the way until June. Uh, he was a high strikeout guy. I don't know about ratio-wise how he would fare this year, but it's not looking good for him. This is definitely disappointing. Because he, he is somebody who had the innings potential and the strikeouts to go along with it to be one of those pitchers that jumps into like the top you know, 30. Nobody's going to project him for that, but you could kind of imagine a scenario where he jumped into the top 30 starting pitchers and a lot of people took him late in drafts. What I heard this morning um, was that he, they were going to shut him down till June. And I know that may not be the case. Um, they may bring him back sooner, but if you're the team, you're probably going to err on the side of caution right now. You know, tell the media that you're shutting him down till June. And if he comes back before then, it's easier to explain good news than it is bad news. So, uh, disappointing at, at this point in the season to lose somebody with his kind of potential. Yeah, luckily there was no structural damage after the MRIs came back, but obviously where the Padres are right now, a guy who has a ton of upside, they're going to be very cautious bringing him back, so it might be a while. And the final name on our injury report is Mr. Greg Bird. The Yankees <laughs> sent him in. He will undergo surgery tomorrow to remove a small bone spur on the outside of his right ankle. Expected to rehab for six to eight weeks and return to game action. In parentheses? Game action in parentheses? Yeah, pretty much <laughs> he'll return to AAA for rehab. And so looking like that Neil Walker signing is going to pay off for him because... Neil Walker's probably going to slide over to first, Drury at third, uh, Tyler Austin will fill in at second, and uh, yeah, that's uh, that's going to be interesting there in New York. 
But Neil Walker kind of becomes intriguing if he gets first, second, and third base eligibility in that ballpark. He hits better left-handed than right-handed, so he's mostly going to face right-handed pitching, bang from the left side. So Neil Walker is kind of intriguing. And if you've listened to this podcast longer than this season, um, Greg Bird is kind of famous um, for last year. Um, we talked about him probably once every three podcasts. Yeah, where's um, that shirt currently? Uh, no, I, I put the shirt away. It's <laughs> It's been in the closet. In fact, I at last year's trade deadline in the league that we're all in, I, I sold my last Greg Bird share. So I am Greg Birdless at this point. So <laughs> injuries, whatever it is, I am unaffected by Greg Bird as I stand right here. His sobriety continues. He's running on about seven, eight months now. Keith, we're happier, so proud of you. Happier than I've ever been. <laughs> happier than I've ever been. <laughs> just me and me and Joey Votto in my first base slot. Yeah. Well, rounding out our injury report, have any of you guys actually bought some roto insurance on one of your teams yet? I have. Oh, you have. Yeah, because I know we all play in various money leagues. What did you buy, Keith? Well, I thought the investment for me would be smart to hedge my bet on somebody was that was going to be pretty impactful for, for my 2018 season. So I got a road assurance for Mike Trout. So he's in kind of our main league. He's kind of obviously my centerpiece for that team. I don't think that he'll be injured, but he would definitely impact me and my ability to be in the money this year if something were to happen to him. So I went on the site. It was super easy. I went on there and selected what my league entry fee was. Um, you can kind of scroll through the different players to see who you want to insure and each player has a little bit different dollar amount so mike trout was i think two dollars and fifty cents for a 25 dollar league and then i think uh michael brantley was like two hundred dollars which is weird <laughs> like you had to pay you had to pay more to insure brent no, i'm just kidding but most guys are like a dollar 75 i think is what you know the normal normal player is and then there's like goes up to like three dollars if you're greg bird or michael brantley or something like that but super simple if you guys have you know an injury plagued player on your team that hasn't been injured yet or somebody who's extremely valuable for your team i would recommend going on there and checking it out it's super easy sweet coming up after the break we're going to dive into our predictions has your fantasy baseball team ever caught the injury bug and it cost you your shot at winning your league's prizes if so look no further than rotoshurance the leader in fantasy sports insurance their insurance coverage can save you your league's investments with policies as low as a dollar 50 a season you can even receive 10 percent off coverage this season by using the promo code ffo in all caps during the month of march just visit rotoshurance.com. That's R O T O S U R A N C E.com. Simply select your sport, your league's entry fees, and choose the players you want to insure. Or preemptively insure your first or second round picks pre draft. Don't lose your money this season due to unforeseen injury and protect your team at rotoshurance.com. Again, your code to secure 10% off during the month of March is all caps F. F-O. All right, it's time for some pitching predictions here, guys. Let's roll through pitching awards here. Let's start with the AL Cy Young. Phil, 
who do you see winning it this year? Same guys as last year. Corey Kluber. Um, it's pretty easy for me. He's best pitcher in the American League. Todd? For me, my guy's Chris Sale. I just think with the strikeouts, if he can lower the ERA, it'll look a little better for the voters, and the strikeout totals are insane. So, and Chris Sale, maybe this is the year he gets it. I'm in the same boat with you. Keith? Yeah, Sale's going to win the award. But that's, to me, I, I, I had to go a little bit outside the box. So my pick is one of the players who I am the highest on this year and I have the most investment in. Um, so for me, that's going to be James Paxton. And I know he hasn't been healthy enough to compete for an award like this, but I think this might be the year where he puts it together and competes with some of the studs at the top of that uh, that leaderboard. Solid. All right, where do we sit with the NL? Phil? Same thing, Max Scherzer. Uh, I really don't see anybody on seeding him he's just amazing and in his prime still there's just no way I, I, I just don't see it all right todd for me maybe a little bit of a reach but i'm going to noah Syndergaard. uh he's a high strikeout guy again he mid two era guy so if he can lower that a little bit stay healthy obviously is the main key but maybe Syndergaard might win it this year so that's my pick all right keith so again, a little bit outside the box, I'm with Robbie Ray. If you look at what his numbers would be if you remove 30% of his home runs, which is or even just his 30% of his home runs at home. So I think that takes away three, almost four home runs from his numbers from 2017. That gives him a 2.67 ERA last year with roughly the estimates of what the humidor could do for him. And if you give him a full 32 starts, it's 260 plus strikes. Accounts. So if you kind of extend his 2017 and give him the similar numbers, he's a 267 ERA with 260 strikeouts. I think that's a good enough to compete for one of those awards. I'm in the same boat. Robbie Ray, got to go for the homer here. All right. So do you guys have any bold predictions other than, well, both of your lefties there, Keith? Yeah, that was bold. The other one that I have is, I guess I have two more. John Gray, I think, will definitely have a breakout season this year. As crazy as it sounds, you know, one of my bold predictions was that he would flirt with a three ERA, which is basic insanity because in in the current run environment, where I think four or five is the average ERA for a major league pitcher, even three years ago, I think it was three, seven, three, eight. So just in the last few years, it's jumped up significantly as far as the ERA. So for him to have anywhere close to a three ERA, he's going to have to perform incredibly, especially there in Coors. One of the reasons why I think he will do so is he's kind of been toying around with one of his sliders this year that he hopes will induce more ground balls, definitely help him there in Coors. But the other thing is he's been one of the only pitchers that's been able to be effective at Coors at times. So I think he may be the first pitcher for the Rockies since Ibaldo Jimenez in like 2012 to have like a three ERA and pitch close to 200 strikeouts. Nice. Phil, do you have a bold prediction? I do not have any bold predictions for any (laughs) pitchers, unfortunately. I have an extra one if you want an extra one. Sure, I'll take Keith's. All right, so Phil's bold prediction (laughs) is that Justin Verlander's arm is going to fall off. (laughs) No, 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 no. I don't take that one. Take that back. No, that's that's, that's a bold prediction. Rewind and pretend like you never listened to that, guys. My name is Phil, and I do not support that message. So here's how many innings Verlander's pitched since 2006. 2,533. Guess how many pitchers have pitched more innings than that since 2006? Nobody. 
So he's the only pitcher to pitch that much, and he has another 100-plus postseason innings. Here's the list of players that have pitched close to that many innings in the last you know, 10 or 12 years. Felix Hernandez, James probably going to be demoted Shields, Cole Hamels, CeCe Sabathia, Irving Santana, John barely hanging on Lester, Zach almost injured Grinky, and John retired Lackey. Oh, and then there's 88-mile-an-hour Dan Heron and Jared freaking Weaver. So not a great list of pitchers that have pitched a significant amount of innings in the past 10 or so years. It's just a matter of time, in my opinion, before Verlander starts to regress. Can I ask you a question? <laughs> yeah. How many of the pitchers that you named uh, struck out 219 guys last year? Those those are good. Those are good pitchers. I mean, Felix Hernandez, even a few years ago, was a top flight fantasy ace. Oh, I know. Jared, but I'm saying Jared like the, the painting. His... The painting was on the wall before he fell off a cliff. Like he didn't. Know, he like... didn't just fall off a cliff. If you look back, I mean. Um, Two years ago, Felix Hernandez was a draft in every league guy. Oh, I agree with that. But But that's that's because of his name value. I don't think that it was necessarily like his actual value at that point. And the thing about Verlander is the velocity is still there. It's true for at least now. For now, for now. No, that was that was more of a fun prediction. Like, I don't think his arm's actually going to fall off. But if it did, oh, his well, see, rehabilita- that's what I was defending is that you actually thought it. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. His his rehabilitation, <laughs> you know, at home wouldn't be terrible though if it did. I mean, he'd be hanging out with Kate and just. I think I would cut my arm off to live his life. <laughs> I think many people would. Boat? Yeah. Like, which arm you want? It would be my question. Like, this, I'll learn. I'll learn how to right left handed. Whatever I have to do. All right. So looking at Verlander, just last year, his first half was uh, un-Verlander-like. He had a 3.82 ERA with a 4.07 FIP, was sitting at 1.28. And then in the five games post-trade, ERA went down to 1.06. Is that good? And his FIP was projected or came out at two six nine, and his WHIP in five starts point six four seven. He gained it's almost like that's good. Gained two strikeouts per in nine. Two thousand and sixteen. He sucked in two thousand sixteen in the first like. True story. Sixteen starts and then turned it on. Just was absolute lights out in the second half. He did the exact same thing in 2017. So I feel like if it happens again in the beginning of this year, what if he just doesn't snap out of it in the second half and he puts together a terrible season? Like, I I don't think that's like, obviously, I'm just reaching to defend my prediction at this point, which is (laughs) dumb. But I just I think that if that happens, right, if he doesn't snap out of it in the second half, he puts together another. I think we're going to look back at this like Phil was saying and be like, did we actually kind of see the writing on the wall? Like he put together two terrible first halves. And then, you know, miraculously kind of came out of it in the second half. Like, well, I mean, but in, in 2016, not to draw this thing out farther, but in 2016, Verlander had led the uh, major leagues in strikeouts. I mean, 254 strikeouts is nothing to slouch at. I mean, he had a, a 1.00 whip that year, too. Um, I just I just don't think I'm riding off a guy who has that much upside then that's proven it over his career and that, you know, he may not throw 100 anymore, but he can sure throw the ball still. So that's that's the way I look at it. And and I mean, I was the guy that was saying that he was being underdrafted. You were the guy that was saying he was being overdrafted. So obviously, yeah, no, that's that's definitely fair. I mean, and the, the skills are there. I'm I'm mostly just looking at the sheer volume that he's a carry on that arm yeah. and the others that have done a similar workload and seen significant drop-offs. I mean, 
Felix Hernandez, significant drop-off. James Shields, significant drop-off. Cole Hamill, significant drop-off. CC Sabathia, significant drop-off. Irving Santana, never good. I mean, maybe good. Uh, John Lester, <laughs> struggling recently. Um, Zach Grinke has had some some iffy times really good last year. Um, John Lackey, just not hacking it anymore. Dan Heron, I mean, he's been retired for a while. And Jared Weaver was terrible last year. So I, I'm just looking at the crowd, and I, I hope he pitches amazing. I actually do own him in one league, so it's not like I've completely shied away. But if you look at the sheer innings, it's kind of it's kind of daunting. Now, something interesting uh, looking on Brooks Baseball with Justin Verlander. Once he was traded, uh, I know the... I know the Astros are deep in analytics and they're heavy on having pitchers change up their pitch mix. Verlander saw a 6% spike in use of his slider and also somewhat of a cutter, which could just be a hard slider as we've seen in the uh, spring training so far, but also a he had an 8% decrease in the curve. It's very interesting. So his foreseen usage stayed around the same within 3 to 4%, fluctuated by month, a spike in change-up usage, a spike in the slider usage, but a decrease in that nasty curveball he's got. And I'm seeing them using him in a better situation to prevent his arm from falling off. All right, Todd, do you have a bold prediction? Keith has another one for uh, Todd, too. <laughs> I, I do actually have it, another one. Uh, for me, it's just I think Aaron Sanchez, this is the year that he finally um, becomes kind of solidifies himself as an ace. Uh, 2016 and 30 starts, he had a 3.00 ERA. I mean, I've talked about him a little already. I mean, he's a guy who I think he could emerge into a true, um, maybe potentially number one starter for fantasy teams, and I'm um, just a massive Aaron Sanchez fan. Uh, tremendous stuff, great sinker, one of the best curveballs in the game. So Aaron Sanchez, if he can stay away from the blisters, I think this is a big year for him. All right. Did you have that other uh, bold prediction there, Keith? Uh, well, the other one actually is is about ready to come true already. Um, it was Madison Bumgarner isn't going to be the best starting pitcher on his own team. Um, so I wrote that before the injury, and it wasn't actually injury-based. It was more skills-based and, and maybe hedging my bet with the, the shoulder injury and, and having seen how impactful that could be on other starting pitchers. I'm not anywhere close to a medical expert, but the in hearing other doctors and people kind of discuss the injury, even last year when it first happened, it was attached to the shoulder uh, mechanically, it could definitely impact him. So I was kind of, my prediction was based off of either seeing a bounce back from Cueto or a step forward from Samarja. Um, but the injury, I mean, obviously helps that one, I guess, for me. All right. After the break, we're going to dive into the hitting side of predictions. Rotoware.com. Rotoware. Big shout out to the Rotoware uh, company. It's so goddamn comfortable. Can't recommend them enough, man. Yeah. High quality t shirts. Shout out to Rotoware.com. You see me rocking the shirts on the videos and stuff like that. Where'd you get that? Rotoware. That is courtesy of Rotoware. It's just it's just the highest quality of shirts. Yeah, I really like the baseball designs you got here. The shirt is beautiful. Everybody who I've talked to who has the shirt basically says they can't believe how good the quality is. Yeah, kid, I've seen you've been getting a lot of love. You said you've been only running for a little over a month. CBS guys are tweeting out shirts. I'm seeing fantasy personalities everywhere digging this guy's shirt. I love the Run DFS shirt. It comes with baseball cards with all the different shirts on it. Rotoware on Twitter. Check out rotoware.com. Oh my God. Is this, is this shirt making love to me right now? Like, what's going on? I love this shirt. 
jumping back into it. We are diving into the hitting side of things, heading into 2018. Starting us off, who will win the NL MVP? Todd? For me, I got Bryce Harper. I just think in a contract year, this is going to be an opportunity for him just to explode and uh, really just take over the media and the full season of just where's Harper going to go and under all that pressure I think great season so Bryce Harper is my NL pick Keith who you got I meant to put Freddie Freeman down but I typed in Freddy Freeman <laughs> so I think Freddy Freeman is going to win the NL MVP <laughs> all right and Phil so the NL MVP was the most difficult choice in my opinion uh for the awards because there's not really anybody that's a great choice other than bryce harper like he kind of almost falls into it by default like you guys could say goldschmidt but like at the same time the humidor and there's different things going on um i think bryce harper is my pick uh just because of by default i think that he's the best player in the league and that he's gonna actually go back to his 2016 version um so i think that's probably where I landed. I went with the Homer pick and I said, Paul Goldschmidt, uh, mostly just because I want Goldie to prove the naysayers wrong about the humidor and overcome it and end up the MVP. So let's take a look at the AL MVP race and Todd, who you got for me, I'm picking Giancarlo Stanton to go back to back with MVPs in different leagues. I just think with, um, that new ballpark with the Yankees, they're going to be one of the hottest teams all season to watch. Uh, I have Stanton. I think if he hits 50 homers again, could potentially hit more at Yankee Stadium and in the AL East. Uh, Stanton's my pick. All right, Phil, who you got? Uh, Mike Trout, best player in baseball. It's a pretty easy pick as long as he stays healthy. I don't think that anyone has a shot to compete with him. Keith? Hold on, I'm distracted because I'm looking at our staff rankings or our staff predictions, and somebody, somebody put Byron Buxton on here for AL MVP. <laughs> I think that, I think they were just doing that to mess. Am with I getting you, trolled right now? Like I think I, so. I think we are. Was that there a couple hours ago, or like that just that update? Was, because that, no, that was there the whole time before <laughs> yeah. I started mine. I swear, I did not touch that. That has been there the whole time. Phil, did you just update that like before the segment? Because I feel like that was not there. <laughs> an hour ago. No. All right. So my yeah, my pick's Mike Trout. I mean, blah blah blah. Nice things about Mike Trout, best player in baseball. Why is Byron Buxton on the AL MVP? <laughs> Dude, his defensive war, bro. I'm I'm on tilt right now. <laughs> Pretty sure Mike Trout will uh, at least challenge him on that. Um, and overall I mean, war, yeah, just I, not even close. I went bold, I guess, with Paxton on and Ray as far as my my picks. So I mean, I can't I can't blame him too much. Contrarian. <laughs> All right. So now that we've got the MVPs out of the way, what are we seeing for bold predictions here on the hitting side? Hitting, base stealing, everything. I think so Harper what, hits fifty. I like that. That's bold. I don't know. I mean, it, it's bold, but like, I mean, of all the done, players, he's in, never he's never done it before. But if you were gonna name five players you think could hit fifty home runs this year, like he's he's one of those five, right? Judge, Stanton, Stanton. Uh, Harper, uh, Aaron Buxton, Gallo would be one. Um, maybe Buxton? maybe Miguel Sano, JD Martinez, JD Martinez. Yeah, you're probably right. Uh, JD Martinez instead of Sano. K. Riss. Whit Merrifield. Matt Olson. Rudin Ordor. <laughs> Todd. <laughs> Go Giants. 
Running that Polanco hype train, rant, man. 2018 Triple Crown winner. You, you heard it here first. You'll hear I'll it here the, the only place. <laughs> I don't even think the Spurg media are talking about Polanco as much as we are. So I, spe- I think they are, just not yeah. in the same light. Spe- speaking <laughs> yeah. of 50 home run uh, predictions, I have my own 50 home run prediction. Shoot. Um, so mine is that Joey Gallo shuts up the critics by hitting 250 for a batting average. You heard that right. 250 for a batting average, 50 home runs, and drives in 120. That's some... Uh, would that be a good year? That would be... Yeah, that'd be pretty good. I mean... Okay. That make it okay that uh, Justin Turner's broken hand uh, uh, happened in one of my leagues because he's my backup third baseman. I think so. Okay. So speaking of Gallo, uh, let's put this up for debate. Who hits more home runs this year, Gallo or Judge? Gallo. See, I would go Judge personally. I would. You're uh, wrong. So okay. Better lineup. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Keith, where do you sit? Keith, don't do me dirty. I'm gonna go with Gallo. Um, yeah, and actually, I saw on Twitter somebody was kind of debating this. I think Chris Towers from CBS put it up today. Yeah, I believe so. His his pick was was Gallo, and one of the things that he stated on there was. That uh, per plate appearance, Gallo had more home runs than Judge did. Um, for me, the two players are moving in two different trajectories. I think Gallo, I expect him to lower his launch angle. He had the highest launch angle in baseball last year. He doesn't need to have an extreme launch angle, like the highest in baseball and an average exit velocity of like 100 and something miles an hour. Like he doesn't need both those things. He can lower his launch angle, you know, significantly and still use that power to get the ball, you know, over the fence. So I think if he just kind of strategically lowers that launch angle, we talk enough about players who want to increase it. I think for him, as he lowers it, his bat stays in the path longer, um, the swing path longer. He's able to make better contact. We saw in spring, he's already reduced his strikeout rate pretty significantly. So if he kind of carries that on to the regular season, you could see him hitting for a little bit higher of a batting average. And even a little bit, if he goes from hitting 206 to hitting you know 235 or 240, that's a significant difference. Xander Bogart's hit like 256 last year, and we, th- we still think he's a – a good hitter. So if Gallo can hit 250 with 50 home runs, I mean, he's going to be a top two, three third baseman in all leagues. Would you guys call me crazy if I said that Jonathan VR is going to hit 15 home runs and steal 40 bags? No. Right. Nope. Maybe I need to be bolder then. I, one of my predictions is Jonathan VR is better than Whit Merrifield in all formats. I'm going to create a format where he's not then. <laughs> <laughs> you get extra points for just being named Whit Merrifield. There you go. And if you want to join that league, Hit up Phil at the Baseball Jedi. No, it's a one-man league. <laughs> it's, a one-man league. <laughs> it's already full, bro. Well, it's a two-man. That way you can f- battle Keith. Hey, what's the payout? Mm, pride. It's not good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's take a look at the Rookie of the Year awards here. Uh, who do you guys have in the AL? Phil? I have Michael Kopech. Uh, I think that he's going to come up rather early in the season. Uh, guy is a monster. I think people are going to be, uh, you know, enamored by the 103, 104. He's going to hit on the radar gun and starts uh, maybe in the fifth or sixth inning. It's going to be really awesome to see. I think he's going to win the rookie of the year. Keith is wrong. So I'm wrong about my AL rookie of the year <laughs> pick, and that's Kyle Tucker. Um, and, and you guys are going to make fun of me because he has no clear path to a bats, but I think his bat will be strong enough to kind of hit his way onto that powerful Astros lineup. And once he's there, production is not something I'm really worried about. Todd, who you got? 
for me, I took Gleyber Torres just because I, I'm pretty sure he'll be up soon, maybe late April, May. Um, and I think there's a path for a bats for him. You know, he's succeeded at every level in the minors, and he's over to Tommy John surgery. He was healthy this spring. So for me, Gleyber Torres is my pick. I really like the Kopech pick, too. It was between Kopech or Torres for me, but just because I think he's going to get a really good amount of a bat, Torres is my pick. And I also chose Torres mostly because of that bird injury creating the path for him to at-bats earlier than he may have otherwise. All right, in the NL, can we all say Uh, unison? Yeah, can we say it all at once? (laughs) One, two, three. Ronald Acuna. We we should probably do that again. That was was pretty rough. That wasn't in harmony either. We need some more team bonding exercises or something. Uh, Let's go last name here. One, two, three. Acuna. Acuna. That's close enough. All right. So, I mean, is there really any competition in the NL? Yeah. Scott Kingery, we talked about him earlier. Ryan McMahon, another guy that has a chance uh, just because he has full-time playing time right off the bat. And he hits in cores, kind of. See, the only thing about him is is that I think that he's a little bit more blocked. Um, I was more optimistic on him earlier in the year, but I'm looking at it. I just don't think they're going to play him at shortstop like I thought they might. Yeah, I had the same thoughts with Senzel there having them locked up Suarez for six, seven years. And I guess shortstop is Peraza's until it isn't at this point. So I don't know if that's really a significant block. I mean, Peraza uh, no, could play but... the outfield. I know the outfield's you know pretty stacked right there with Winker and Duvall and Shebler and other guys that, that are in the outfield. But I think he's probably their third best hitter on their team when he gets the at-bats, maybe the fourth best, but he's, He's one of their best hitters, I think, when he's in the lineup already, not even seeing a pitch in the major leagues yet. So I just think that they're going to find a way. He's he's ready. He has nothing else left to prove there in the minor leagues. He's he's a he's an advanced college bat already. He's he's not a high strikeout guy. He's not going to hit you a million home runs, but he's got the, the bat skills to, I think, push his way onto that lineup. And I don't think anyone would be surprised if uh, Scooter Jeanette struggled right off the bat, too. You know, his home run season last year kind of came out of nowhere. And that's a guy who long term, I don't know how he can um, what the odds are of him continuing to hit home runs at that rate. Much of else. Anyways, in the position flexibility with um, with Sinzel, I think they, they kind of moved him around the diamond, anticipating wanting to get his bat in the lineup in case there was somebody that struggled or there was somebody that went down with injury. They're looking for a reason or an excuse to bring him up and put him in the lineup, I think. All right, let's turn to the comeback awards. AL comeback player of the year will be Keith. Who you got? Henley Ramirez. Ooh. Um, he talked about in spring training wanting to go like something crazy, like 30, 30, um, which that's dumb. It's not going to happen. He doesn't have the, the legs underneath him to steal any significant amount of bases, but I think he's still a pure hitter. Um, I think we saw the worst case scenario from him last year. He's been battling injuries for a while now. I think if he kind of snaps back into the hitter that we all know he can be, um, you know, 25 to 30 home runs with the high batting averages is definitely doable. Todd, who you got? For me, I got Jason Kipnis. Uh, he's a guy when healthy, he puts up the stats. He's a 20 home run guy who's going to hit, you know, around 280. Uh, he plays second, steals some bases for you. And I think mainly with him, it's just health. Uh, battled hamstring issues last year. He's fully healthy this spring, hit six homers during spring training. So for me, Jason Kipnis is my AL comeback player of the year. I actually really like that one. I, I 
Kipnis was somebody who I haven't really owned recently in the last several years and kind of a boring pick, but he's somebody who's changed his fly ball rate significantly, significantly, if I could say that word um, properly here, um, over the last like 18 months. So those spring home runs were not really a surprise to me. Um, I worry about his batting average with that that change in fly ball rate, but if he hit 25 home runs this year, I wouldn't really be surprised. Phil, who you got? Uh, Chris Davis. Uh, he's kind of been up and down the last few years, kind of more down than up the uh, last couple of years. Uh, I think that he's got a chance of uh, you know having a great year. I heard that he's taking the extra drugs this year, so he's, he should be doing pretty well. Uh, <laughs> can, drugs. Can we get a source from? Like, <laughs> I, where are you I have, hearing I, he's taking extra drugs? Because it was sources. We'll just quote the sources as sources, okay? <laughs> okay. You know, are you going, were, are you going were, John Heyman on us right now or what? Like you uh, have sources? No, no, I don't really have sources. I may have made it up. Um, but that doesn't make it an, a bad story. So why are we, you know, so the the moral of the story is, is I think Chris Davis could actually have a good year and that he's also potentially doing extra drugs. All right. I've got down Miguel Cabrera. Uh, it's more of a, a hopeful pick. Like we, we hate to see Miggy just drop off a cliff uh, at this point, just out of the blue. Uh, I don't expect him to rebound and go for the triple crown this year, but at least be respectable. Um, in the NL, who do you have, Todd? Well, he's my Cy Young pick, and I think if he wins the Cy Young, he'll also win the comeback player of the year, and that's Noah Syndergaard. Uh, obviously made I think one or two starts last year, a couple of relief appearances, and I'm all in on Syndergaard. If he's healthy, the stats are going to be there. Special talent, fun guy to watch. Syndergaard's my pick. Phil? Ditto to everything except the Cy Young. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Keith, who you got? Well, first, I want to say that I like your guys' uh, pick there with Syndergaard. He's my number five starter, you know, right behind the, the Super Four. And I definitely, you know, pick for you guys there. Uh, I'm going to go with the guy from the same rotation and, and Matt Harvey. Um, he hasn't seen a 9K per nine, I think, since 2015 was the last time that he had a strikeout per inning. This spring, he's doing that and a little bit more. Velocity seems to be good. Um, people that have seen him pitch in the spring are kind of raving about him. I know Bobby Cox uh, was was pretty amazed. And when I first heard that quote, I was like, how old is Bobby Cox? Does he even know he's watching Matt Harvey? Like, is he is he seeing, you know, it was, it was actually Noah Syndergaard. Yeah. Was he watching Syndergaard being like, oh, Matt Harvey's pitching great. Like, <laughs> Which that's that's my Bobby Cox. Right? Bobby Cox. Spot wow. On. Other other than he usually yells more, from my understanding, he got ejected a lot. Well, he's 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 old man. So uh, yeah, Matt Harvey's my pick for a comeback player of the year. So what would you consider a successful year for Matt Harvey? Because I mean, I know what I consider like, a successful for two hundred and fifty strikeouts, eighteen wins. Oh, oh man, no, I'm just kidding. Oh uh, my gosh. I think a hundred. So young. Stri- Will the Mets win that many games? Oh, <laughs> I think 155 to 160 strikeouts. Um, he's not going to throw more than that as far as innings, but a strikeout per inning, a 3.7 ERA, and a 1.22 whip. Okay. I can see that within the realm of possibilities. Want to do a board bet? Oh, wow. Ooh. What? <laughs> All right. I, don't, I, I like the aggressiveness. 
T-Sizzle. I don't think his ERA will be under 4-3. All right, so you're going to give me the under for 4-3? Yeah, I'll give you the under for 4-3. Just call it 4-even. Let's just go. Don't sell yourself short. We can do 4. I got to negotiate for Todd. He's he's throwing himself under a bus, and he doesn't even realize it. All right, so can we settle on FIP instead of ERA? Sure. Whatever you want. So I will take the under. (laughs) It'll be well over 4, so. I will take the under on a 4-fifth for Matt Harvey. Is there an innings right, cap? Like, it. what if he only throws 12 innings? Clearly, he was wrong on those 12 innings. <laughs> I'll, I'll take it. Even one inning. Anything. <laughs> right. I, Harvey's done. It blows out his UCL on the first pitch. This this is the, the board bet that you guys have to wear yoga pants. Uh, oh, my God. Matt Harvey to avoid yoga pants. Like, can we take a different <laughs> Oh, Can we go boy. Paxton for yoga pants? I will wear some yoga <laughs> pants for James Paxton. Well, I would have worn them for Cesar Hernandez, and I'm lucky that no one saw like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, I will take that board bet. I will go under a four FIP. All right. You're going to take the over? I'll take the over. I love the fire from Todd. I, I can I'm passionate about his uh, <laughs> Todd hates Matt Harvey. That's <laughs> going to be the new hashtag. No, he's he's going to go on to a perfect game his first start probably. but <laughs> And then he get injured. That would be yeah. great. <laughs> Throwing the yeah, last wins pitch. A, wins a win. It. Yep. All right. Uh, and I have down Michael Conforto. Yeah, we swept the board with Mets comeback players because the Mets always seem to be injured. David Wright was going to be my other pick, to be honest with you. I will I will take you for a board bet on that one. <laughs> that he sees in that bat this year? Just one at bat in all of 2018. <laughs> Nobody's going to take it up? Yeah, let's nope, hard pass. move on. All right, yeah. Michael Conforto, I, he's due to come back. I mean, he was electric in the first half, then that injury, and he wasn't quite the same. So I'm putting him to come back. I don't know if he actually qualifies being injured half a year. So I think that will do it for our predictions. Coming up after the break, we're going to head into some Q&As. Hey, everybody, it's me, Joe Pizzapia. Baseball is back, and so is the Fantasy Baseball Black Book 2018 edition. This year, I've got Paul Spore doing the starting pitching chapter. I've got Jake Seeley doing outfield profiles. I've got Sammy Reed doing DFS. we got championships waiting for you. Go get it right now, the Fantasy Baseball Black Book 2018, available on Amazon in paperback and for Kindle and on iTunes, because once you go Black Book, well, you know the rest. And diving into our question and answer segment here. Who are the best DL stashes to start the season? Uh, let's start it off with uh, Zach Britton. It's definitely a closer stash uh, for the second half of the year. I like that one. The other one for me that find myself drafting him in a lot of leagues, as I was, which actually has. He became, became much more of a controlled pitcher when he was kind of moving back up there in, in Cleveland. Um, I think he is somebody who could break into the top 25 and figure it out. The injury is kind of scary. doesn't seem like it's something too significant, so I'm going to kind of buy low on Danny Salazar if, if he I really like Jimmy Nelson. Uh, he's going as late as can be, basically, and he had 200 strikeouts last year, a low 3 ERA. 
Uh, um, there's nothing really not to like other than the fact that he's injured at this point. So when he comes back, hopefully he kind of starts replicating those numbers. Um, I really like the Zach Britton one as well. I have him in a couple of leagues already sitting on wait, or on the DL slot because for some reason, some teams can put players on the DL slot. Just saying. <laughs> Todd, who you got? Apparently some teams can't. Uh, for me, he's supposed to be back around June. He's throwing already close to mound work, but Carlos Rondon is a guy who uh, kind of gets forgotten about, but he's still a big piece of the White Sox future, and he should be back in June, maybe July. That's what I've been reading, and um, especially in Dynasty Leagues, he's a good DL stash. But is he really? 100% agree with that. Just as a as, as up to a couple of years ago, I mean, he was, I heard people talking about him as the career trajectory of Kershaw, and that, that sounds crazy, but they said his floor was just one of the highest of a pitcher that come out of uh, college in a really long time, and then his curve, or what was it, his slider, was one of the best out pitches that came out of college in a long time as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, I could see him being having a huge year this year. That's if he sees the playing field. Uh, that's kind of becoming a theme with him, though, is yeah. staying healthy. I mean, that's true, too, but I mean, that's a lot of pitchers, to be honest with you. Once their shoulder or whatever gets hurt, I mean, it's kind of hard to to kind of pinpoint when they're going to actually be injured and when you're going to get some good production. But hold him there. If you want to drop him later, if someone else gets hurt, I mean, definitely he would be the guy to drop. Can I sidetrack for just a second here and just talk about leagues (laughs) and DL slots? Yes. Um, If you're in a league right now with the 10-day DL and you don't have at least five DL slots for 2018, try and do that. I know some formats don't let you after you've drafted or once the season has started. So if you can check that out because nobody wants to play in a league where there's two DL slots right now. It was insane last year. Um, and it's just not fun because you have so many pitchers specifically that are on and off the DL, <clears throat> the Dodgers, um, and that are manipulating <laughs> yeah. the system just so they can skip, skip starts. Um, so make sure you have at least five DL spots. There's no reason not to have that many on each of your teams. All right. That's your public service announcement. From your commissioner. Uh, who is better at the back of my rotation? Vince Velasquez, John Manea, or Tanner Roark? Um, I think it's Roark for me, which sounds weird when I say it out loud. But Velasquez has just not been good. His stuff's been good, but his just the results haven't been there for him. And I owned Manea in, I think, a couple of leagues last year. And I'm just staying away this year because... He didn't turn the corner like I expected him to, and maybe this will be the year that he figures it out, but his upside isn't as much as what I think I originally thought it could be with his strikeouts. So for me, I'm kind of banking on a bounce back from Tanner Roark. Um, he didn't have his best stuff last year, admittedly. You know, he it was this change-up that he said that he just never really commanded last year and, and you know thinks he can kind of bounce back this year. So... I think Roark's a little bit underrated. Yeah, I think I agree with that in just a, a standard blanket scenario. But, you know, if you are lacking upside with your starting pitching, obviously that's probably the place to go. So I could see different team constructions getting a different answer. So I'm going to have a kind of a cop out. Um, but Tanner Roark has been around for a while. He's had a couple of really good years. Um, I see if anybody of those three has a chance of having a good year this year, I think he has the highest chance. Completely agree, too. Uh, Rorick is my guy, too. Um, just the injury prone of the other two guys, that's always an issue. And inconsistency when they're healthy, but with, I would pick Tanner. That's my pick, too. And, and to be fair, I own both um, Velasquez and, and Roark. I think I have maybe 
one or two of each of them. And Velasquez was like the very last pick where I fell behind in starting pitching. And I did need that upside that you were talking about, Phil, where it's like, you know what, just take a flyer. And if he gets out the gate strong, then hold on to him. But I wouldn't hesitate to drop him, you know, after a bad start or two, where I think I would be a lot more patient with Roark and expect maybe better results. You better try to trade him after he has a good start or two. When like that one year, mm-hmm. what did he have? What was it? Seventeen or eighteen strikeout game with no walks or something crazy like that. He had three games in about a six or seven game stretch where he struck out twelve plus. I think one of them was like six. If he has a little stretch like that, I mean, he would be an E in uh, pitcher rankings. All righty, gents, this has been a great episode. We'll hit some more questions on a future episode. And we've got real baseball, people. So where can the people find you, Phil? I am Phil, and I'm at the Baseball Jedi. Todd? I'm Todd, and you can find me at Goldie Happens. Keith? All right, this is this is Keith, uh, fantasy underscore Keith. Uh, I do have an article coming out uh, probably the same day this posts. Um, it'll be on kind of deep league waiver wire ads um, or late round flyers if you're still kind of drafting in your league. I have been Jeremy at Front Office Jer. You can find the podcast at Fan Front Office. Most of our writing you can find at our home on the web, FanFrontOfficePodcast.com. My catcher article actually just posted, and it's Creative Solutions to the Catching Wasteland. Be sure to check that out as you're in the final stages of your drafts, and hopefully it can help you out in your leagues this year. And until next week, we have been the Fantasy Front Office. Real baseball ahead. Go Cardinals.